0: Listening to Inside Expert by Econ1 Research. Find us on iTunes and SoundCloud. And now, your host, Stephanie Arnold.
1: Well, hello, and welcome to the show, Hal Singer. It's great to have you here.
0: Well, thanks for having me.
1: Would you mind giving our audience, as you are a first-time guest, um, a little information about yourself?
0: Sure. Let's see. Managing Director here at Econ One. Uh, I also wear two other hats. I'm an adjunct professor at the McDonough School of Business at Georgetown University, and I'm a senior fellow at the George Washington Institute of Public Policy.
1: All right, Hal, I invited you on to uh, talk about your new article in Forbes uh, titled How to Stop Amazon from Swallowing the Internet. Is that title a little bit alarmist?
0: Well, you know, we we got to get the clicks, Stephanie. But uh, no. But in, in seriousness, it is it is uh, gobbling up uh, the the internet. I use the phrase "great gobbling" a, a couple times in the piece, and I think it's it's kind of on. It it is it is alarmist, but it's it's meant to be. In a sense, I, I, I do want to get policymakers uh, and regulators to be focused on what the threat is here, and I think it's a significant one.
1: Your piece begins with the William Sonoma lawsuit against Amazon. What's that case about?
0: Yeah. So Williams and Sonoma alleges that Amazon has copied its designs on on um, on the West Elm furniture line. Uh, that's just just a piece of it. But but they they also think that. Um, Uh, they're making life that Amazon is making life miserable for Williams and Sonoma by, among other things, buying up uh, keywords for the West Elm line on Google. Uh, And and because of the way that Google's algorithm works, it it actually is rewarding Amazon for this behavior and steering searches that would otherwise go to Williams and Sonoma uh, back to Amazon.
1: Hmm. You made a big stink over the lack of any antitrust claim in the complaint. Why was that so so important to you?
0: You know, when you read the complaint, it, it's got the, the feel of, of, uh, of, of a competition story there. It, it's basically saying that, that Amazon is using its platform unfairly in the competition in these vertical or ancillary or adjacent markets. And yet uh, there was no uh, federal antitrust claim uh, in it. And I, and I think that's noteworthy because uh, what, it, what it's telling me is that is that Williams and Sonoma doesn't think that it can lean on our antitrust laws. Uh, to take care of something that is fairly obvious to me a an antitrust or a competition problem
1: is there any evidence that Amazon's cloning is harming what you call edge innovation in the article
0: yeah well it's it's going to be very hard you know for for a complainant or a plaintiff to show that that their one particular episode of discrimination is is harming edge innovation you know in a systematic way Way, but but I think that that across all of these discrimination episodes, there there is some evidence that there's harmed innovation. And I I admit in the Forbes piece that it's it's hard to measure uh, what what a loss of innovation looks like. But but one reasonable proxy, and I'm not saying it's perfect, but it's just reasonable, is is to to monitor the exit by independent uh, competitors from the Amazon platforms. There's a published paper by Harvard economist Zhu. Uh, that shows exactly this, that namely that when Amazon decided to invade a particular vertical, they traced what happened uh, to the, quote unquote, affected sellers. And sure enough, uh, they found that there was a huge reduction in their presence on the platform. And this this is not good from a competition perspective.
1: All right. But I'm going to play the role of a consumer here. Why should I care about harm to edge innovation? Isn't Amazon making the same things but selling them at a lower price?
0: Uh you're right that in, in the short term, the, the consumers are not injured uh, to the extent that, of course, the quality is held the same. You just get something for potentially cheaper. Yeah, you're better off. But the problem is that you have these uh, uh, complementors. It's the fancy word that economists use for for the people who are uh, complementing the platform, uh, you know, are sitting there and they're, and they're observing the appropriation. Uh, they're observing the discrimination. that That is, you know, Amazon uses its own site to steer searches uh, to, to its cloned brand, and, and also you know inserts its its cloned brand into the buy box. They're observing all this, and they're saying, you know, why would we want to take a risk um, if if the playing field is so slanted in favor of Amazon's products? So, so to an economist, the harm doesn't manifest itself uh, in a short-term price increase. As I admit, it might even be a price decrease. The the harm is 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 whether we're chasing. Uh, uh, innovators off the space you know whether we get we get less innovation in future periods and that's the thing that 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 um, policymakers should be concerned about
1: i've read some of the article commentary and there's been some arguments that all that's happening is that you know product lines are moving from one to another all inside the same platform are you still worried about innovation being harmed
0: yeah and so just just to kind of help the, the listeners out there's a uh, there's a paper by the same author Zoo that that looks at what happened from similar invasions by Google in the mobile app space, and and what and what Zoo found there was that the affected seller didn't just pick up and, and leave the platform as he found on the Amazon uh, paper, but instead uh, that you would see uh, these same affected sellers just moving to another app. And so the, the the thing the pushback that I get is okay, Singer, why is that a concern? If if all we're doing is displacing innovation from one product line to another, you know, who cares? Maybe this is even a good thing. And I think that 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 story, you know, depends on, on a lot of assumptions. You know, one is this notion of like fungibility of skills that I can just pick up my bags after I've been cloned in, in one application and move it to another. Um, it, it kind of it, it assumes that that that's uh, easily done. Uh, it also assumes that there's a whole bunch of profits to be made in these other apps that I'm being chased to. You know, if those other if those other areas are crowded, then I may not. I may not uh, reinvest the time and effort to try to make a run, uh, you know, at, at that new space. I, I think it also assumes that that an entrepreneur uh, who came up with a great uh, uh, blockbuster idea just has like five more in his back pocket. You know, it doesn't work like that. I think that most people, you know, they're lucky to have one blockbuster idea in their lives. Uh, and the notion that, you know, they're just going to be chased and we should, you know, we should hope for the best in, the, in their next spot, uh, you know, is, is a little fanciful. And I guess I guess the last thing I just want to say on this point is that to me there's something a little unsettling uh, about about a conflicted platform, a dominant conflicted p- platform. What I mean by conflicted is one right that competes against the verticals itself. Uh, mm-hmm. You know how we should feel about about them bending the arc of, of innovation. Um, it, it seems to me that this is this is something also that that policymakers should be concerned with.
1: Well, if antitrust can't be counted on to. Per- to protect against the harms to edge innovation, your last point, what do you suggest we do?
0: Yeah, so in, in the article, I, I look at uh, a few different options. And, and I should just kind of briefly back up and say why I don't think antitrust um, uh, can help here. You know, antitrust is, um, is really fixated on short-run uh, uh injury to consumers and like we talked about uh, just a, a minute ago th- there is no price effect here right if anything the prices might even be lower when amazon clones uh, a piece of merchandise or a design, and so just the typical things that set off antitrust aren't going to be set off here. And uh, and and what what the harm is, as I'm saying, is a future harm to edge innovation. So so I lay out three different um, uh, solutions, kind of outside of antitrust. Or one one involves integers. Let's just kind of tick through them. One one idea is increasing intellectual property protection to prevent this sort of appropriation. Uh, the second is to either beef up uh, antitrust enforcement under the current standards or to, to change the standards in such a way that they, they care more about this, this harm to, to innovation. And the third uh, is to come up with a new set of protections uh, that, 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 that exist outside of, of IP and antitrust. And I refer to these as a, as a non-discrimination regime.
1: So your article comes down on the tribunal idea where did you get that is there some historical precedent
0: yeah so i got the idea of of, of importing this non-discrimination uh, regime or, or tribunal as i've as i referred to it from um the the solution that congress came up with to a very similar problem uh, back in the early 1990s and so just kind of set the background there the dominant platform of of that era uh, were, uh, cable operators. And so in the late 1980s, uh, cable operators started to invade, uh, the, the programming space. Sound familiar? And, um, they were making life very difficult, uh, for, for to have a go of it. One, one famous case involved a home shopping network. And so Congress decided wisely in my decision, in my opinion, that they would they would allow the cable operators to vertically integrate uh, and make a run in the content space. But they couldn't use their platform uh, to give their own content an artificial advantage over similarly situated uh, independent networks. And this this set of protections. uh, was was captured in the Cable Act of 1992 and it's section 616 for any kind of regulatory nerds uh, out there. but but the, the way that the way that this thing gets enforced is that if an independent cable network feels like it's been discriminated against on the basis of, of its lack of affiliation, it can bring a complaint. In front of the FCC's, the Federal Communication Commission's administrative law judge, uh, and it has a hearing, and there's a certain evidentiary uh, burden that has to be satisfied, uh, and and if the if the fact finder determines that the uh, that the uh, burden is is met, that that then the fact finder can can um, impose a, a decision that says cut out the discrimination and pay back any lost profits that can be attributed uh, to to said discrimination. So I, I actually think that. That solution could be fairly uh, uh, easily, in a straightforward ma- manner, applied uh, for modern-day platforms, you know, the, the dominant tech platforms of, of our day, Facebook, uh, Amazon, Google, and, and Apple.
1: He's brought out several shortcomings for both the structural remedies and the non-discrimination regime. How does a policymaker choose among those options?
0: Yeah. So, so n- no remedy is perfect, and I and I tried to make that pretty clear in the piece. I can spot, uh, you know, uh, infirmities or, uh, on each, and I think I think what it's going to come down to is how much you care uh, about each one of these infirmities. Each one is is gonna is gonna raise a problem. We can go through just an example, like like on the structural remedies, which yeah. I which I think that. Uh, you know some important voices you have senator elizabeth warren uh, offering these and, and i think that, that uh, the ideas are really coming from uh, a yale law student named lena khan who had an affiliation uh, with uh, with a group called open markets uh, and and this idea is to draw a, a fence around the core mission of the platform so if it's a, if it's um, amazon To be concrete you would you would say maybe it's e-commerce and and then tell Amazon that via you know a line of business restriction that it can't go outside of that pen or can't go outside of that fencing you know, and this this raises some some tricky uh, issues as to how you draw the line. I explained this in, in in the piece, but you know, there there are some there are some things that we we question whether or not it would be a good idea to bar Amazon from from competing on, like for example, in advertising, they they would certainly go outside of their pen uh, and compete against Google and Facebook in in ads, display ads that are that are showing up outside of their platform. You know, do, do you want to say that they they shouldn't be doing that because they could only be an e-commerce provider, and I won't, I won't go through all the other problems, but there, there are certain issues when it, when it comes to how you do the line drawing exercise. You know how you do it for Google. Uh, Google got into the content game, and and now they're, you know, they're doing some basic commodity type content, like giving you the answer to a math problem. You know, what is two plus two? Should Google be barred from, from answering that question for you because it's not technically within its core mission, of, of search results, just providing the search results. Um, and, you know and and, and then I, I lay out of course the infirmities of, of the remedy that I'm pitching which is the non-discrimination regime and and the, I think uh, the best one that i've I've uh, been kind of that's been thrown back in my my face is is this notion that if if uh, if the independent edge provider has to litigate um, under this standard against a behemoth like google or or Amazon you know it might take a year year and a half and that's going to require some some significant, Uh, resources. And so you you can't expect, you know, mom and pop startup to kind of reach into their to their scarce funds and and take on one of these one of these titans. And so so for for this non-discrimination regime to work, right, you'd have to count on on mid-sized competitors, or at least those with enough resources that they'd be willing to mount uh, a litigation challenge uh, to to the platforms.
1: Hmm. How do you see this shaking up?
0: Yeah, there's some signals uh, from the new uh, head of the uh, antitrust uh, uh, s- uh, subcommittee uh, in the House Judiciary, David Cicilline, uh, that suggests that um, that he's very serious about about these sorts of non-discrimination ideas. He he asked Google CEO uh, a question uh, in December during a hearing as to whether or not Google could could abide by a non-discrimination regime and. And Google CEO uh, said he thought he could, and he'd like to work constructively uh, with Congress on certain legislation here. So, you know, the, the, there, there will be a faction. You know, I mentioned Elizabeth Warren before in, in the Senate. I'm sure there's a similar kind of progressive uh, wing in the House as well that, that would kind of latch on to this notion of, of structural separation uh, or a breakup of, of, these, of these platforms. And the question, you know, I, I, it's, it's hard for me as an economist to say how this is going to shake out, but the question is going to be who's going to win, you know, who's going to win this argument on the merits and who's going to garner – enough popular support to get, to get their idea through. But, but I, have, I think there's a very significant chance that, that regulation will be coming, uh, mm-hmm. and, and, and one of these two ideas will, uh, will win out.
1: All right. Well, thanks for coming on and talking about your article, Hal. It was a pleasure to have you. Well,
0: thanks for having me.
1: Uh, if you'd like to find out more about Hal and his article, head to our website at www.econ1.com.
0: Thank you for joining us on Inside Expert.